The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. I'm Coach Larry. Matt's not with us today, so it is another solo episode, and we're going to make this one short and quick. Got a few things we're going to hit, and we'll get right at them. First thing we're going to talk about, um, the Women's World Cup, the U.S. Women's National Team. It is, uh, we talked about this a little bit before, and I want to bring this up next week. Um, hopefully, when Matt's back, uh, Pete Lipiani uh, came on the show before, guest of the show, referee, the My Guy uh, show. We talked a little bit about this over text today. Just it was a debacle. Um, and I talked to us about it a little bit on an episode before about failures in sports and when it's okay and if it's okay to say that a sport uh, team has a failure or a, you failed in sport. This World Cup for the women's team was a failure on so many different levels. I thought just coming into it, with the coaching. I thought there were some questionable lineup changes, some questionable starts, some questionable players and spots, some questionable tactics. It did not start well for this team. And you their first game, well, they won 3 nothing. How can you say that didn't start well? They were playing Vietnam, who, again, you're the number one seed, you're the number one ranked team in this uh, World Cup, you're, you're supposed to beat teams like Vietnam big. You're supposed to not just beat them 3 nothing. Vietnam was in that game for a long time until the U.S. pulled away. Um, you were supposed to you were supposed to beat them pretty handily and you couldn't it's uh it was just it was again should have been an easy victory it was almost like Hey, let's get through this game. Let's just let's just see what we can do and go from there. You know, nobody get hurt. Vietnam was ranked thirty second coming in. Okay. We've all seen teams do that. Just walk through a game and barely get by. Okay, 
It happens. But then you have your next game against the Netherlands team. Now the Netherlands ranked pretty high. Let's see, what was the, what were the Netherlands ranked coming in? Netherlands were ranked ninth. Netherlands were ranked ninth coming in, I believe. So much higher um, ranking. And U.S. honestly could have lost that game. Thought it was a game that they really, I want to say, got outplayed. But again, they tied. You're the top dog. You came off against a team that you really underperformed in. And you, for the most part, there were times that you should have and could have lost that game. But then again, you have another team. The next game. You're after the Netherlands destroyed Vietnam, 6 nothing, 5 nothing, 7 nothing, whatever it was. Beat up on them pretty bad. Netherlands clinched your spot. U.S. needed to win and win big against Portugal to win the group with a big win like that. The Netherlands almost secured their win right there or secured the group right there. Portugal needs a win. If Portugal beats you, they're in. Portugal ranked 21st coming into. And they were a, I don't know, a few inches away on that last shot in extra time where the U.S. wouldn't have even gotten out of group stage. Honestly, I thought Portugal, again, I think possession was... 55, 45 in favor of the U.S. They didn't, get, they didn't get blown out of the water. They didn't get beat. Portugal wasn't, you know, dominating them. At times they were, but they weren't dominating them. But it was a pretty close game. Again, top dog coming in. And again, you really didn't show much. And if that goal, which honestly, if you look, if you look at the bench, you look at the coach, they thought it went in. They thought it was going in. I thought it was going in. U.S. got lucky that it hit the post. Bounced out. Game ends in a draw. U.S. advances. Portugal goes home. It was a result that the U.S. just seemed okay with. And, in fact, Carly Lloyd, one of the former uh, women's national team players, talked about it made comments about it, but like after the game, you're all smiles. After the game, you're signing autographs. You're happy. I get it. You advanced. I get it. You're still in the game. You're going to the next round. But how about being a little upset? How about being a little embarrassed? How about being just having that, hey, this isn't good enough. You know, we're looking for our third in a row here. This is we're playing like garbage, even in the interviews after 
there was no, I'm not saying you have to be depressed about it, but how about just this, this is good for other teams. This isn't good for us. This is not a good result. This is not something that we're looking for and we're accustomed to. We should have dominated this game again, and we have played not well this tournament. But anyways, group stage, they make it out. You, it's, it's sports. You survive. You advance. You're hoping that they're going to get a wake-up call. And to give them their credit against the game in Sweden, or not in Sweden, but against the Sweden team, they played really well. They came out aggressive early got some good shots on their goaltender. They ran into a brick wall of a goaltender. Um, It's just some dynamite saves over and over and over again. They were playing a solid game, especially that second half, the end end last, uh, I'd say probably from the last 10 to 15 minutes of the second half, all through overtime or extended time. Sweden didn't do much. In fact, I'm not even sure if they got a shot on net at that point. It was all U.S. They had a couple of glorious shots that their goaltender just made huge saves. I think finished with 12 saves, 11, 12 saves. At the end of the, going into the PKs, just made big time saves. But one of those games where you know you keep a team around long enough, you don't finish your chances, you don't miss, you don't capitalize on your opportunities, you let that team stay around, stay around. You could tell Sweden the last, that last session of overtime, they were just looking to get to penalties. They were looking to get to PKs. They weren't putting much pressure at all up top. They were keeping possession when they had the ball, trying to run the clock out. And they got to PKs. And again, even in the penalty shot, if you look at the penalty shots, all right, they both scored on the first one as U.S. US uh, shot first. So they... Uh, they scored on the first one. Both scored on the second one. At one point, USA was up. One where Sweden missed. USA missed. That's where I believe it was Rapino who skies it over the net. Couldn't capitalize. At that point, it would have... You're up two. It could have been lights out. Sweden has a chance to tie. They miss again. Uh, their last shooter, US last shooter. She scores, they win. She skies it. So again, they can't put the team away. They give Sweden their last shooter. She makes it. They go on. Next round again. USA makes it. Sweden clutch, and they make it. Then you've got what ultimately ended up being the last round, the seventh shooter, second one in sudden death. Hits the goal post. And the last Sweden shooter, (laughs) I've got mixed thoughts about this one. I think if this shot was 
two, three World Cups ago, four World Cups ago, where they don't have the the technology, the replay, the frame-by-frame definitive look at it, I don't think it gets called a goal. I think the officials say no goal. They wave it off, even though if you look at the instant replay after looking at it, it clear. Well, I shouldn't say clearly, but it goes over by the smallest of margins. But that the entire ball by the smallest of millimeters crossed the line. And it's unfortunate because the goaltender was there and saved it not only once but twice, but just couldn't make that save in just – she gets there – a fraction of a second sooner she's there quick enough to put that ball and keep that ball from going over the line. It's just heartbreaking. Sweden wins. But let's be honest, as well as the U.S. played, they didn't deserve. As well as the U.S. played in in that game against Sweden, they did not deserve to go on to the next round. This was a team that just, they blew their opportunity. They shouldn't have been playing Sweden in the first place. They needed to take care of business. They needed to win that group so that they have a much easier draw in the knockout stage. It was a failure again from top to bottom. Even if you look at it in coaching, they barely... And I mean barely. Now, I'm I'm surprised that Sweden, when they had the throw-in before the U.S. made their subs to try to get their, their two players out there for the shootout, that they didn't try to just keep possession of the ball and not kick it out of bounds so that the U.S. couldn't make their subs. Because they clearly, when you're putting in players, I think the U.S. got them in 45 seconds before the last whistle, maybe even less than that. Your... The only reason you're getting them on there is so they can be part of the uh, shootout selection. But they barely got them in on time. I don't understand why Rapino goes in. Especially Morgan was getting opportunities up top. She wasn't finishing them. She wasn't burying them. But she was getting opportunities up top. I also think Morgan is a better penalty shooter than Rapino. Rapino's not awful. She even said so herself. She just simply skied it. But I was, you got to question that a little bit. Rapino was just, she's, again, 38, 39, 38, an older player. Not that Morgan's much younger, but she was struggling. She was struggling the last couple games. She was struggling the last couple national matches. She was struggling during uh, her league play. She just didn't have it anymore. And you put her in with, I think, 10 minutes left, 15 minutes left in regulation. Or maybe after the first it's I don't know why they took her out. Uh, Rodman, who I thought got the more scoring opportunities, especially in the first half. I thought she was really putting good pressure on there unless there she was injured, unless there was a medical reason that I missed that they took her off. I don't know why she comes off. 
you needed offense up top. And I thought she was getting some quality opportunities. She was creating some pressure in the box. I just don't know. I know around this team, too, there was there seemed to be just every time over the last three or four years you heard about this team, it didn't it wasn't necessarily about soccer or sport related. It was about a battle that they were fighting for, a cause that they were fighting for. I know there was the whole equal pay, which is great, which is you wanna. You want to make sure in sport there's equal pay, equal opportunities for whoever. But even when that was um, solved or that lawsuit was taken care of, it just seemed like every other thing out of this publicity for this team wasn't coming from how well they were playing, wasn't coming from how much young talent they have, wasn't coming from them gearing up for the World Cup. It was... It was, they were battling this group. They were battling that group. They were fighting for this. They were fighting for that. They had a comment about this. They had a comment about that. It just seemed like a lot of distractions. It seemed like the team was just, soccer was almost on the third or fourth or fifth of their priority list. And when you're playing for the, biggest stage in soccer, a tournament that happens once every four years, a tournament that it typically two years, one or two years to to qualify for. And again, the U.S. was not in danger of qualifying for it at all. It almost seemed like the the focus, the passion, the desire wasn't there. And I know a couple of the former teammates, Carly Lloyd, and I think there were a few others, kind of called them out, called their, their former teammates, their former team out on it a bit. And who's to say if they're right? Who's to say if they're wrong? In fact, uh, one of the captains on the women's team came out and said, you know, we respect that, but this person doesn't know what's going on in the locker room. This person doesn't see what we're doing at training. This person doesn't see how hard we're working at it. And absolutely right. Absolutely 100% right. But on the field, just something looked off about this team. Or maybe, again, just went into this tournament play as the overrated, as an overrated team. The, The champion, but the champion at the twilight of their career. The boxer who's beaten up everybody but the boxer that is also one or two years away from retiring. The boxer that's also got 50 matches, 50 fights under their belt. Coming up against a young up-and-comer, coming against defending their title against a younger generation of hungry fighters. That's what it looked like. The U.S. looked old, looked outdated, and it cost them. Now, they do have a lot of young talent. There is going to be some turnover, a lot of turnover on this team. Um, 
top, you know, you've got three players that just come to mind with Ertz, uh, Rapino, and Morgan. Rapino's all but said she's done. Uh, Ertz, pretty much the same thing, has strongly hinted or said that this is probably going to be her last World Cup. And Morgan seems like it's up in the air, but seems like it could be heading in the direction where this is it. And I'm sure there's going to be a few others that could be gone. So there's going to be some roster spots for this younger generation, this younger core group to get into for the Women's World Cup. But again, it's just, it's a, it's a shame to see how it fell. I think they were finally rounding into form against Sweden, but I think it's those are what the early is when you're when you're a team ranked as high as the U.S. is going in. I mean, you can't get ranked any higher. They were the number one team coming in. They were the two time defending champs. They were they were it. You use those group stage games not as a well, we'll just coast. We'll just coast. Nobody get hurt. We'll just coast and we'll play very tentative. You use those group stage games to keep your confidence, to round in the form so that when you get into the knockout stage, you're firing on all cylinders defensively, goalkeeping-wise, offensively. You're ready to go. And they weren't. It's almost like against Sweden, they try to, hey, let's, all right, let's turn it on. And... You know in sports, sometimes when you, you can't just turn it on, turn it off whenever you want to, and it bit them. It it bit them in the butt, and unfortunately, they are done. Again, my biggest thing was it wasn't that they played bad against Sweden because you can argue that they were truly the better team, that they truly deserved that that game shouldn't have even gone into in the PKs. They ran into a very hot goaltender or brick wall. She had a sensational night. But the U.S., if they had taken care of their group like they should have, and again, they didn't have uh, the group of death. They didn't have, it's not like it was them, Spain, Japan, and somebody else. Like it wasn't top, top teams in there. Netherlands was ninth, but they should have beat Netherlands, and they had to come from behind and score a late goal. If they would have lost that game against Netherlands, they were out. So they just could not capitalize on their opportunities. They should have. They should have beat Portugal. They should have beat Netherlands. They should have destroyed Vietnam, and especially when you get down to it, you don't want to embarrass a team, but. In, in a World Cup situation, goal differential means everything. And that's why Netherlands went out and beat Vietnam soundly. So even if it came down to where the U.S. were able to beat Portugal one nothing, it wouldn't have been enough to win the group because Netherlands had that big of a goal differential lead because they beat Vietnam by more. 
But it is what it is, and that's the only thing, though, with a World Cup and any tournament like that. You can take it with the Olympics, too. It's just more of a bitter pill to swallow because, all right, the Bills, the Sabres, the Bandits, if you lose, even when the Bills lost in that heartbreaking fashion, 13 seconds against Kansas City, even when they lost the four straight Super Bowls, there's always next year. You're playing in what? Five months, six months, four months, whatever it is, away from the time of the playoff game. Let's say the Super Bowl ends in February, so March, April, May, June, July, August, September. You're playing in seven months. You know, training camp starts in like five months. You're back fairly quickly. About a half a year, a little more than a half a year, and you're back playing. World Cup. You've got to wait four years. You've got to wait, I think, two two years, maybe one and a half years, just until qualifying matches usually begin. It's a long, long time. Even in a in a, if you're a solid uh, footballer, you're lucky. If you're getting, you might only get four, three, four World Cup chances. I mean, you're, even if you start and you're internationally playing, you're on whatever country you are for, at the year, at the age of 18, three World Cups, you're getting, you're 30. You're getting into that, they're looking pretty old, age where you might, you know, lose your spot to younger players. So you don't have, you'll be lucky if you get four kicks at the can of a World Cup. So every one of them is even just that much more important. And unfortunately, I really think the the U.S. women just missed a chance to just end their careers being the dominant team that they have been for the last eight plus years. And it is truly a shame to see it end the way it ended. That being said, let's switch it over to American football. The Bills, I I just, I'm ready. I'm so ready for the season to start. I know they have their first preseason game this Saturday against the Colts. I am so ready, so looking forward to this game going. Actually, uh, well, actually, yeah, I am looking forward to the preseason game. This is the first part. I'm I'm really looking forward to the preseason. A, because I want to see how some of their young wide receivers respond. And not necessarily young as in NFL experience, but young as in just young, new to the team. I want to see, I already know how Diggs is going to be. I'm fairly certain I know what Davis is going to be. Shakir, I'm hoping he can take a jump. Uh, Shorter, the rookie receiver, Justin Shorter, I'm hoping he can step in and maybe be what we thought Shakir was going to be last year. Uh, Sherfield and Hardy, really going to be interested to see, A, if both of them play but be just what they can start doing. My fault. My my thoughts as far as the starters, 
I keep going back and forth. Part of me wants to give the starters maybe a quarter, maybe offensively one or two series. I'd say no more than three. Just let them find their rhythm. I know it's only the first preseason game. I know they have two more. Typically, nobody's going to play the third preseason game anymore. So you've got really two games. But get them in a nice little bit of rhythm. Give them a drive, two or three. Let Allen hit some nice out routes. Look good. The same thing with the defense. Maybe even the defense, maybe less, maybe just one or two. Let them go out there because you're playing very vanilla defensive schemes. You're even playing pretty much vanilla offensive schemes. You're not going to show a lot. You're not going to do a lot. You just want to make sure you do it right. So we're not going to see any exotic blitzes or stunts or schemes or coverages. But you want to just make sure that they're out there moving. It's going to be nice to see Micah Hyde if he can get uh, any snaps back there in safety, teaming up him and Jordan, Jordan Poyer. Just, again, give Trey White, make sure that everything is looking good for him by the time the season starts. Hopefully you want to see how their linebackers play. I thought Balen Spector was going to take over that middle linebacker spot. It's He seems to be kind of falling out of that a little bit. So it's going to be interesting that if Dotson or Bernard, who's going to jump into that spot. But uh, their defensive line, I almost want to say don't start any of their defensive line. We know what their defensive line is going to do. We know I, the worst thing in the world is to go in and have uh, uh, Little get hurt have Rousseau get hurt, have and that can happen any part of the game, any part of the season. But I'm really excited what their defensive line is going to do. I think their defensive line this year is going to do what we thought their defensive line last year was going to do. I think we really thought that they were going to get pressure, 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 pressure just from their their starting four without having to blitz. I think this year that could come to fruition. I think this year with Puna Ford, he's going to be that big space eater. He's going to be that guy that just is able to take on one or two two offensive linemen to let Oliver get free up the middle, who's a little bit of a a lighter, faster defensive tackle, or he's going to take on an extra guy so that Rousseau can get open or can get free. Uh, Little can get free. Miller, when he gets back, I, I'm i up in the air. As much as I see, as much as I want him to be there for week one, if he's not ready, don't start him. If he's, and I don't mean ready, like, okay, he can go. It's the end of the year. You're playing at like 85, 90%. No. If he's not 100%, uh, just wait. Not saying you have to put him on the the pup list and he has to miss the first six games. Whatever. Just put him on the active roster, but have him sit out. Maybe he starts week two or three. But just have him wait. I think this Jets game is a game. I'm not not that I'm not worried about the Jets. Not that I'm worried about the Jets. But I think if you look at their schedule, this Jet game, especially with all the hype coming in around Aaron Rodgers, with all the 
uh, haters a little bit about the Jets. I think if they can come out and strongly beat the Jets, and I mean beat them by two touchdowns or two possessions plus, just where the game doesn't look like it's in, they're in any, any jeopardy of losing, even kind of similar to like the Green Bay game last year. Wasn't a blowout. Was wasn't really sort of close, but it was just one of those games where, okay, you never really felt threatened by the Packers in that game, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in that game at all. I think it sets up the rest of the season very well, where you have you'll have the Raiders in week uh, week two, the Commanders after that, going into Miami. 3-0, and beat the Dolphins, beat the Jags, beat the Giants, destroy the Patriots, destroy the Bucks. <laughs> Again, this might be me being over-optimistic over fan here, but one, two, three, four, five, six... Seven, can you go eight? Can you go into that Bills-Bengals game on November 5th with an 8-0 record? I think if you get by the Jets to start it off, you absolutely can. Because, again, I think they'll beat the Raiders pretty easily, should beat the Commanders pretty easily. If you get by the Dolphins, and who knows if Tua, I mean, I know it's only week four. Who knows if Tua's even the starter then? But if you can get by the Dolphins in week four, I'm going to the Jags game in London. They better. I'm, I'm not traveling all that all that way for them to lose in London. They better win in London. You get by the Jags in London, the Giants and the Patriots and the Buccaneers. Who knows what the Bucs are going to be? Who knows if that point the Bucs are how, Maker, how Baker Mayfield responds? Who knows if they're even just tanking for a quarterback the following year in the draft? I mean, they could be ripping off an 8-0 record, 7-1, 6-2. I mean, maybe maybe you falter to, I don't know, the Dolphins? No, we're not losing to the Dolphins. Maybe, maybe you get tripped up by the Giants. Maybe Daniel Jones has a great game, catches you by surprise. I, I think... No, they're not losing to the Jags. I, I'm, I'm not putting that as a loss. I'm saying hopefully they go into that game against the Bengals with no worse than a 6-2 and two record. And at that point, you've got games against the Broncos, against the Jets. you got to have a good record because then your, your uh, season gets a little rough on the finish. I mean, you have... After that last game against the Jets on November 19th, you have a tough schedule. You have the Eagles. You have the Chiefs. You have the Cowboys. You have the Chargers. So you've got a good four-game stretch, whatever. If you want to add the Jets in there, you have a good five-game stretch where it's, I forget the Jets. You have a good four-game stretch, three definitely with the uh, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, who I think are going to be no joke. 
that's another team that if their coaching ever gets it together, their coaching staff gets it together, then you finish off with a little bit of an easier with the Patriots and the Dolphins. Dolphins could be fighting for a playoff spot. Who knows? That could be for the AFC East. I told you I'm predicting the Bills. I'm going to say 13 to 14 wins. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Like I said, today was just going to be a quick episode. Get my thoughts in about the World Cup. I'm old before I forget them. Hopefully we can have, uh, I know Pete Lipiani is going to come on, whether it's next week or the week after. But we'll get them back on. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Bills. We'll get our Bills predictions. Uh, We'll get our AFC East, AFC West, AFC North, all our division predictions. I know Matt, I'm sure, is going to pick the uh, Lions to to win the NFC North and to go to the Super Bowl against the Bills again. But we'll do all that next week. We'll be ready with more hot seat questions. And again, if you want to be a guest on Stories from the Sidelines, please reach out to us on Facebook at Stories from the Sidelines. Send us a direct message and we'll get back to you about possibly coming on and joining the conversation. All right, so thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on YouTube, on Facebook, at Stories from the Sidelines, on Instagram, and we will see you all again next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. Go Bills!